guardian.co.uk. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Enjoy yourself while you're still in the pink. Hello, and my name is Simon Mayer, and you're listening to the Guardian Children's Books Podcast. Uh, I've written an adventure story called Itch, the Explosive Adventures of an Element Hunter. The central character is Itchingham Loft. He's known as Itch. He's a 14-year-old schoolboy. He lives in Cornwall. His hobby is collecting the periodic table. And as a result of this and a number of other incidents uh, in the book, he is on the run. And he has his element collection, or most of it, in a rucksack on his back. He's then taken hostage by his mad science teacher, Nathaniel Flowerdew, who is a thug and a hooligan and to be avoided at all costs. However, he has got them trapped. The section that I'm going to read to you from is a bit halfway through the book. And Itch and his cousin Jack, which is sort of short for Jacqueline, so it's a, she's a girl. They're both 14, and they're both suffering from uh, radiation poisoning. They've been exposed to this rock, this mysterious element 126, which is emitting radiation at a fearsome rate. So they are suffering the effects of uh, radiation poisoning, uh, which is where we pick up the story. Uh, Page 297, if you want to read along, if you have a copy. Thanks for buying it. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Feverishly with his painful burnt hand, Itch was emptying his rucksack. It seemed an eternity ago that he had filled it with his collection for safekeeping, but now his elements could stop being a hobby and start doing some work. The phosphorus had bought them time in the mining school, allowing them to escape. Maybe what Kinch had called his weird boy stuff could help them again. Well, here's to being weird, he said out loud. Plastic bag followed plastic bag as one by one Itch's elements were assembled on the dining room carpet. Jack watched as her cousin turned each over in his hand, muttering a stream of numbers and words to himself. You all right? she asked. What? Oh, sorry, yes, old habits. Found anything useful? What's that you've got? Sadly, a useless piece of titanium that used to reside in Gabriel's ear. He picked up some other bags. Manganese? No. Copper coins? No. Chromium forks? Maybe. At least they're pointy. Jack looked unimpressed. Come on, Itch, we need some magic from somewhere, anything. We haven't got long, it's getting light. Look. The first real sunshine of the morning was brightening their room, but bringing with it a growing sense of fear about the day ahead. From the top, Itch, just start... Oh, help. Jack stopped and looked at her hand, which had been in her hair. Clumps of it had just come away, and she held it out to Itch. Tears pooled in her eyes, then streamed down both cheeks. Last chance, Itch. Find something, she said quietly. I'll take the fork, but it's hardly a plan of action, is it? Itch looked at his cousin. Her face was deathly white and sweating, and her hair was matted. Two bald patches had appeared above her left ear. He nodded and opened his mouth to say something supportive, but nothing came. So he just smiled and went back to his elements. The last item out of his bag had produced from Itch what his dad would call an oil rig word. In his hand was a brass-coloured capsule with a pointy end, bullet-shaped but about four times as big. What is it, Itch? It's Xenon, 
Number 54, atomic weight 131.293, density 5.9, melting point minus 118.8 degrees centigrade, boiling point minus 100. He paused and looked up. You've normally stopped me before I get this far. Yeah, well, this time I'm quite interested in what you've got to say, she told him. What can it do? Well, if I remember correctly, Jack, it's an anaesthetic. She looked at him with her tired brown eyes. Now that sounds like a plan of action, she said. Thank you very much. And you'll have to read the rest of the book to find out what it should be. I'm going to do that now. As soon as I finish talking with you, I'm going to read the rest of the book. And I discover quite, what they do with the Zenon. I was quite interested by that bit, actually. Yeah. Well, I can, I can guarantee they do something very good with the Zenon. With, with the Zenon. And they do. I was so excited when I found out that Zenon, which is, uh, you know, which is in there in the periodic table and is an almost noble gas actually did something useful for my plot. <laughs> when I discovered it was also an anaesthetic, I was jumping up, yes, that's what I needed. Thank you very much indeed. Well, you're sounding very knowledgeable about science there, and that leads me neatly into a first question from one of the readers yes, of yes, our yes. site, which is Christopher, who wants to know whether you were a science geek at school like Itch. No, absolutely not. No, uh, the exact opposite. I struggled through science, wasn't really very interested in science took no interest in science. My science teachers would be, well, either chuffed or find it completely hilarious that I've written this book about the periodic table. My interest in science really only came a lot later. When I, when I was at Five Live, I spent eight or nine years there, deliberately made a point of getting as many brilliant scientists on as we could because of the format of the show, we had half an hour, 40 minutes, which we could say, look, come in and explain what you're doing. Five minutes is no good. A two-minute soundbite is rubbish. You know, you cannot really explain the Large Hadron Collider in a couple of minutes. We gave them 40. And so we had the most baffling array of theoretical physicists and chemists and astronomers who came on and just explained what they did. And I think some of that rubbed off on me because I did end up being very interested uh, in most areas of science. But when I was at school, it bored me senseless. I mean, the thing that Itch is up against in the book is that his friends don't get it either, you know. So, and I think that's the standard position of most people. But how much extra research did you have to do for this book? Because um, there's a lot of science Yes, an, in aw- there. an awful lot. <laughs> the periodic table was a, a wonderful thing to base the book around because most people have a kind of, they sort of have a memory of it. Uh, your older listeners will say, oh, I remember we had a chart at school and it had a ray of numbers and columns and letters and hydrogen and helium at the top and left and right and then made the, the kind of moat at the bottom, which was the rare earth. Your younger listeners will be doing this at school at the moment. But I had to do a lot of work to get, to, to get to the point where I could actually write about it. The key thing that Itch does is he discovers a rock and it's a, it's a new element which doesn't fit on the, uh, on the table. Well, any scientist will say, well, you can't just invent an element. You know, the, the periodic table sits the way it does and they're all arranged in a particular order with increasing atomic numbers. So the only place you can add one is, on, uh, is, is at the end. So it took a, a correspondence with a brilliant uh, chemist at UCL called Andrea Seller, who was telling me about this thing called the Island of Stability which is an idea which a number of chemists have, which is that uh, although the elements at the top end are all increasingly unstable and actually only exist for fractions of a second in labs, uh, that there may well be some super heavy elements off, because there are 118 at the moment, but off the, off the charts that are 124, 125, 126, which are on this thing called the island of stability, which is, sort of postulates that they might exist for longer than a few seconds, maybe years, maybe hundreds or thousands of years. And so I took that idea and thought, okay, 
Well, we'll start with a supernova, which can create pretty much anything you want it to create, and we'll get this rock uh, to Earth. So, but to answer your question, I had to do an awful lot of work with people like Professor Seller, and I went to a nuclear uh, physics lab at Surrey University, met a guy called Paddy Regan there, who's a nuclear scientist, who could say, yes, this works. Yes, you can do this. Yes, you can do that. That is the reaction. That's absolutely fine. You want to write about element 126. I know it doesn't exist. This is where it would be on the periodic table. And it is a, it's a piece of fiction. You know, it, I'm, this isn't about to happen. Um, we hope. It's a well, very scary um, no, story. Absolutely. I mean, essentially, it's a magic bean story. A boy discovers magic beans. Magic beans have special powers. Some are good powers. Some are bad powers. What should he do with them? That's essentially the story. And it's dressed up in the periodic table, essentially, I think. And for you, did the story start with the magic beans or with the boy? Because Itchingham Loft, great name, great character. What, what for you came first? The name came first. Many years ago, although I didn't know what I was going to do with it, I was going around a church called Holy Trinity Blytheborough in Suffolk. It's known as the Cathedral of the Marshes. And on the wall there is a plaque which has the names of every person who's been a curate at this church, going back to like the 13th century. And in the 17th century there were two curates who followed each other. One was called Itchingham Loft and the other was Nathaniel Flowerdew. And I thought, that's brilliant. They're great names. And I took a photograph of it. And I thought, I may well be able to use that sometime. So fast forward a couple of years, and I wanted to write a short story for my youngest child, uh, who was about 10 at the time, and was really into science. And I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. But I thought I'd write a short story and just, you know, most parents would think I could do a couple of sides of A4, that kind of thing. And then I remembered the fact that I had this name, Itchingham Loft and the abbreviation of itch was quite an, that, that sort of worked and that was a working title and that looked quite good uh, on the page. And then I started doing some reading around that and came across a, uh, a true life boy called Daniel Hahn, who in the 1990s was referred to in the, he's American, as the radioactive boy scout. And he was a science nut and blew things up at home. But the authorities discovered just in the nick of time that he'd built a breeder, a nuclear breeder reactor in his shed. And they closed it down just in time. But I, re I read that and thought, if he could do that in real life, then my fictional character could do something even close to that. We're, you know, we're onto something. And the phrase element hunter was exciting enough to mask a slightly dull hobby. It, it's action-packed and it's been described as a book... For, for fans of um, Anthony Horowitz, who writes the Alex Ryder series, Charlie Higson fans. Do you read those books? Do you mm. keep up with what's going on in children's literature? Well, I've read, I mean, I've read them to my kids over the years. I know Anthony a bit because his younger son was at school with my eldest. And for them even to be mentioned in, you know, this book to be mentioned in the same bracket is uh, hilarious to my way of thinking. But I've managed to get a quote from Anthony on the front of the book, which is, uh, which is also very nice. It's interesting you mentioned Charlie Heeson because he's the only other person that I can think of who was well known for doing something completely different, i.e. comedy and doing The Far Show, who then started writing books completely out of, is, they're not, there's no comedy in the James Bond books, they're just good adventure stories. And what I hope people do with this is that they don't read this and think, oh, it's a Simon Mayo book. In fact, my brother did, said it doesn't even sound like you. So uh, that it just becomes an adventure story. That's what I'm hoping, because there is a temptation, I think, for a lot of people to see if there's a name they recognise on the cover, they'll review the person. The, the kids won't be bothered. You know, the people I'm writing for have never heard of me anyway. So that's, that's, that's quite refreshing. 
And like Anthony and Charlie, are you hoping that it's going to be the first in a series? Is it what, what next? Well, More the, for it? There's definitely two because I'm writing the third and the deal was for two and I'm a third of the way through the second one. Whether there's any more than that, I guess it depends on whether anyone buys the first one. Also at the heart of the book is, is Cornwall. It's got a yeah. very strong sense of place. Was that important for you? Do well, you know Cornwall very well? We had all our family holidays were in Cornwall. The reason it's in Cornwall is because of the, the history of mining and, and because of the geology of Cornwall. The, the book starts with an earthquake, a small earthquake, but the implications of that kind of rumble through the book. And the geology of Cornwall is, is still a mystery. So it's well known for tin and copper, and that was the, the mining tradition that was there for hundreds and hundreds of years. But there's also uranium there. There's also gold. There's, it's still uh, completely baffling what is underground in Cornwall. And so it was absolutely perfect. Not only do I think of it as God's own county anyway, because it is so beautiful, but it's not really about the tourists and it's not really about the beautiful bits. It's about the history of mining and the, and the geology. So it was really the only place that I could set it. I've got a tough question for you okay. from member Orly, who wants to know, if you could have written any book in the world, which one would you have written and why? Well, in the last 15 years, which is the time I've been bringing children up and reading books to them, I've read the Harry Potter series three times, once for each of them. The Philip Pullman trilogy, His Dark Materials, was the most astonishing. Wonderful adventure stories, but are about something, that there is something solid at the heart of them. But the Philip Pullman books aren't really children's books, I don't think. They just happen to have children in them. There is a debate if people choose to engage with it in Itch, which is about energy policy and about nuclear power. In fact, the, the editor, the publisher wanted me to put more in about the debate about nuclear power, but I'm very reluctant. I didn't really want to go down that line because I didn't want it to be controversial for that point of view. But it is about, you know, element 126 is fiercely radioactive. And so what you do with it is a very important discussion in the book. So as a long-winded way of answering your listeners, your listeners' question, so I would, I'd say the His Dark Materials book by Philip, books by Philip Pullman, which are the most mind-blowing books, I think, that I can remember reading, whether it be adult fiction or children's fiction. Years go by as quickly as a wink. Enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.